Hello and welcome to episode 147 of TLDR Podcast. We have Alex back, finally. But then we lost Tyler, because Tyler doing baseball things with his baseball life. And, you know, it's Tyler just being Tyler, because that's how Tyler is. But we also have Trayden and James, and that's me. So, <laughs> just to begin, we you know, Alex has been MIA for the last two weeks, two podcasts, because he's been traveling Europe. Alex, tell us all about it. Every single detail. Okay, every single detail. I flew out of San... No, uh, yes, it was Ashley and I's honeymoon. Um, we took some extra time to do it, obviously, as it's been um, actually our one-year anniversary is this Sunday. So that's wild. Obviously, that means trade-ins is also coming up since we got married two weeks apart. Um, yeah, flew flew into London, did a day there, uh, three days in Copenhagen, three days in Stockholm, uh, two days in Oslo, uh, two days, two or three days in Bergen, another city in Norway, and then two days in Paris, uh, flew home Saturday. It's Monday. So I flew home Saturday, got home, uh, to Sacramento kind of where the dog was picked up the dog and then drove home Sunday. So I've actually been at my house for about 24 hours now. And here we are ready to go. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was a lot to digest. Yeah. What was your most favorite part? And what was your least favorite part? Um, the least favorite part was when our train. So we were taking a train from Copenhagen to Stockholm and five minutes before the train was about to leave, it got canceled. So we just jumped on a different train. Uh, and then we ended up having to tr- like go to some other little city in Sweden and then transfer on that train to Stockholm. Uh, but then we didn't actually have seats on that train because we missed our original one. So we just kept moving around until we <laughs> got mad. And then we just sat in the cafe car and, and, and it was fine. Um, best part was actually, or the also the weirdest part too, was we were taking another train across Norway and we got stuck because there was an avalanche on the tracks. Did not have that on the bingo card. Uh, wow. It was it. We were like stuck in the mountains in Norway. It was only like an hour, so it wasn't too bad. But we got to like get off the train. Um, best thing, James, food wise, um, I tried whale, which oh. was very interesting. It was pretty good. Um, I tried some deer heart, which was bomb, oh, and yeah. uh, a lot of reindeer, which was also really good. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we had we had an amazing time. I'm uh, still putting yeah put my life together. I think I had 400 emails. Uh, in my work email box when I got back this morning. So it's been uh, it's been a trek. I would imagine, um, did you say reindeer would be quite gamey, was it? Or was it pretty good? It was good. So we had it like uh, in a couple different varieties. Like I had it in just like full-on like sausage form, which was pretty good. Like it was gamey. And then I had it like in with a, like as a steak with like a mushroom sauce. And it was, like closer to like a beef steak than you would think just less like l- almost less meaty i guess like it was a little more like light i guess would be a good way to describe it and i had to like marinate it on a pizza which was also bomb wow yeah that's pretty that's awesome. awesome a lot of eating and a lot of drinking on this trip for sure that is so cool man i wish i could do that fun fact i didn't know reindeer was real until right about now thought there were some <laughs> christmas carols and stories and stuff but it's a real thing guys <laughs> Real thing, oh, no. apparently, and maybe oh, not no. as meaty. I don't know. A whole lot of things. One day I'll go to do all those things. Maybe we'll see. It sounds <laughs> like a lot of money. Uh, but Alex, we are so glad to have you back. Thanks, buddy. And uh, if you uh, look, watch us on any platform, Alex's hair might look drastically different next time you see him. 
this might be the last time with his long hair. Who knows? Yeah. Trade in. How was your weekend, brother? Well, it wasn't as quite action-packed as Alex's, but uh, it has been quite an interesting three weeks um, as, a, as a sports fan, as an other fan. Um, I am so jacked up that I have never felt this way like, ever, like, like Alex, you can attest to this. Like when the, when the Dodgers are going on their run or the Lakers are going on their run, like th- there's just something you just feel it. You just feel something's going on. Um, and, and I just, I, I just have that feeling and the, and to, and to compliment that to see Toronto completely just dismantle <laughs> after finally slaying the dragon after 19 years, like there's no question what the bet what who the better team is in Canada, and I could go on and on about that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I so I, I love watching Toronto fail, and I love watching my team actually just show that we are a force. <laughs> it's and it's very fun. I don't usually get to say that, um, and so it, it it's very exciting to be on that side of it for the first time in so many years. This might be the highlight of Traden's life. I mean, this month as a whole, you know, hey, uh, wedding anniversary is coming up. The oil is doing well. The Maple Leafs are not doing well. He's wearing his fried egg right now. So all good luck, all good things. Um, and yeah, everybody's here except for Tyler. Sucks, Tyler. Sorry, buddy. But we're going to get right into the episode as we usually do. And we're going to start off with Alex because, you know, he's the guy that you want to hear from the most. Alex with the NBA. Take away, brother. Yes. Thank you, James. Uh, this might be a little dismantled um, because to be completely honest, I have not watched much basketball over the last two weeks. Uh, it was it was a weird thing. So all the games were on at like 3 a.m. my time. So Ooh. I would wake up and just see what happened and be like, oh, the Lakers won. Oh, Steph Curry dropped 50 in game seven against the Kings. Bummer <laughs> uh, for Kings fans. So it, it's been a little weird. I've been trying to like catch up on things. Obviously, like I saw what all the scores were, who moved on, obviously, and now into the second round. Uh, James, props to you on that Miami Heat Bucks uh, Bucks pick because we all thought you were stupid when you said that. I mean, I still think you're stupid in general, but that was man. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> that was that was a good call. Um, but yeah, so we are, yeah, we're into the second round. Um, some teams have played or some of the series are four games in some are three games in. It's actually kind of a good timing wise, um, because game four of the heat Knicks series is in about 20 minutes or so. Um, the heat are up two to one in that series. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of talk about it. like Jimmy Butler has been on a tear. He's been, he, you know, missed a game, uh, cause he was hurt or two games. I can't remember now. Um, just one game. Thank you. And it's kind of funny to think about because obviously Tibbs is the coach in New York and he was Jimmy's coach in Chicago back in the day. And you would think that Tibbs being like a defensive minded guy would kind of have an idea of what to do with Jimmy. Has it really seemed to work out? Uh, so trade in, we'll start with you. Um, and you know, and just your like general thoughts on the series where it's going. Um, but like, what can the, the Knicks do? to kind of slow down Jimmy Butler and the heat. Cause it kind of seems like when Jimmy goes, the heat go, if Jimmy doesn't go, the heat kind of falter a little bit. Well, the only, the only game he hasn't gone is cause he literally couldn't cause he was injured or sick or whatever. Yeah. And that was the only game that they lost. Um, and it, or I'm sorry that the Knicks won, I guess, same thing, but yeah. we're talking about the Knicks. Um, I, it, there's no way you can stop this guy right now. He's he's on he's on a different level. I mean, and and you know, I, I've heard it from from multiple of of you guys and friends and uh, you know around that follow the NBA playoff. Jimmy is a different Jimmy. 
And, and, and quite frankly, I, you know, just, I've said this multiple times, he, he, and he's probably at the top of the list in terms of the NBA. He does not give a fuck what he does in the regular season. Doesn't care what their, what, what their position is. Doesn't care, you know, where, you know, how things shake out. It seems like the Miami heat go deep almost every year. And they, and we've seen it last, you know, few years and we're like, oh, wow, the Miami Heat are once again back in the conference final or once again in the second round or whatever. And they continue to, to turn heads. I think they went to the final, was it last year or was it the year before? I mean, they, they are consistently getting there and, you know, coming, coming off of regular seasons that are horrible and they're not horrible, but not, no, nothing to write home about. And Jimmy Butler is a huge reason for that. And, and I think that the Knicks just don't have an answer. I mean, it, it, they, ju- they just don't. I mean, he's, he's finding ways to, to contribute in every single facet um, of the game. Um, his confidence level is at another level, is, 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 is at an all-time high. I, you know, I, I could do without some of the, you know, he's a little bit too confident in terms of his, in terms of his interviews, but that's, again, that's, that's old grumpy hockey fan here that, that says that um, I, you know, he, I just don't know how you can you can you can stop this guy when the only way that you're winning is when he's not in the lineup. That's the only way to stop him is to is to figure out a way to, uh, you know, to to hope that he's sick one day or or you know what have you. God forbid get he gets injured, but uh, there's no way to neutralize him because he's on a different level. He's finding ways to to you know get his teammates involved. He's uh, you know his, his shooting is off the charts. His his ball handling is off the charts. I just don't know how you can, you can just stop this guy. And quite frankly, I don't know if they, have, if they, if they will, you know, yeah, that's a good point, you know, cause there are guys that, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler is a top 20, 15 guy in the NBA or whatever you, wherever you want to put him. But there are guys who definitely just have that playoff gene, take it to a next level, you know, Madison Bumgarner in those giants runs, like, Great, great pitch in the regular season, a God in the postseason. Like there's, there's those guys that just can turn it around and take it to another level in the postseason. You know, look at your, look at dry sidle right now. So it happens to certain guys and some guys, it goes the opposite direction. And yeah, Jimmy is going off right now and he's really carrying this heat team. And you know, that might be part of it because we saw the heat as a one seed last year and then they, or two years ago, whatever it was. And they kind of faltered after, you know, high expectations of being a one seed. And then, you know, the bubble year when they made, made the finals and lost to the Lakers, they were not, a, they were not like a crazy high seed. You know, this year they come out of the play in tournament, beat the one seed bucks. And now are you know, the putting the Knicks a little bit on the ropes. Um, so follow-up question trading, which is it more important for the heat to win tonight and go up three, one, and try to put the Knicks away. We're like, which team is it most important for to get the win? Oh, so. it's a hundred percent the Knicks. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, ma- mainly because you can, I mean, you you cannot give Miami three chances to to boot you out of here, and you do that by losing today. Yeah, and so <laughs> with with the way that with the way that um, you know Jimmy's been playing, and I think at, you know I think he was left out of game two simply because they drummed him in game one, so it was like worth it to kind of give him maybe a maintenance day. Um, you know, I, you don't really see that in other sports, but you can, when you, when you know that you can put up Jimmy and, or, you know, bring out Jimmy at any time <laughs> the next game, uh, it is a hundred percent, um, you know, the Knicks, uh, Knicks game to lose. And if they lose it, there's, I, there's no way that they, co- they come out, they come out and rattle off three in a row. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the NBA is the only sport where a three Oh comeback has never happened. Three ones are very rare also in the NBA. Um, you know, generally teams, it's pretty obvious, like which teams are going to make it, uh, to, to the finals or at least to further on this year has been a little bit up in the air, but, um, so James, yeah, you're, you know, you're a fake Knicks guy or kind of a big Knicks guy, <laughs> depending on the day on this podcast, but, um, you know, on the Knicks side, what, I guess, like, what do they need to do? And then kind of same question, like, um, you know, is this kind of like a, almost like a must win for the Knicks game four tonight? What do the Knicks need to do? Well, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> like all of our predictions before we round one of the playoffs about the Knicks are coming true now. We are a series ahead, right? Because we talked about how the Knicks didn't have the offensive power to kind of combat them in the first round. And then they did. But then all of a sudden it goes away against the Heat. And it could be because of the good coaching of Eric Sporlstra and the Heat. Or it could be the fact that the cracks are finally starting to show. The Knicks just aren't good offensively. It, it, I mean, right now it's like it's a one-two punch of Jalen Brunson and um, Julius Randle with a little bit of R.J. Barrett, Barrett sprinkled in there. Uh, Julius Randle's playing hurt. He's not producing. He's averaging like 17 points a game or something like that. And Jalen Brunson is kind of their number one option. He's not built to be a number one option in any team in this in this NBA like today. He is a typical small, not that athletic guard. And he plays like that because his game is layups or three-pointers. And if he gets into foul trouble or he can't get into the lane, that takes away his two-point game. And he has no mid-range. Then you're relying on him to take that three. And he's a typical small guard who can't shoot over somebody. So he has to be, he has to move around a lot, but he's, he's, he's not as athletic or as quick or as, as good of a footwork as Steph Curry, nor is he that consistent. And so if your number one option is Jalen Brunson, it's not looking good for you guys. When you need that second scoring punch in Julius Randle, who's just, it's just not there. Julius Randle's body is failing him. And on the flip side, you have Jimmy. And it's like, the only thing that can stop Jimmy is Jimmy's body. And that's what happened in game two. Traden, I'm sorry, I think you got that wrong, but he sprained his ankle pretty terribly in game one. Uh, in game one, he was he was still on the floor. He finished the game, but he didn't move. He was just in the corner. So game two, he took that off because he had a sprained ankle. Then he put him back in there in game three, and I was like, oh my God, he's back. Playoff Jimmy is different. Uh, there's not much <laughs> There's not much the Knicks can do. They need offense, but their, de- their coach is a defensive guy. I don't know where you're going to come up with this offense from. There, there's no way. And so I do think that the Heat end up taking this one. And in terms of who needs to win this series most, I, I'm looking ahead. I'm already having, in my mind, the Heat moving on. So I think the Heat, this is a must win for the Heat because they need more rest for their guys, right? If they're up three to one and it looks like the series in Boston is going to go a little bit longer, you need that time in preparation, especially if you're running Jimmy to the ground like you are now. You need to rest Jimmy a tiny bit so when they play Boston like they did last year, they don't lose in seven like they did last year. It's kind of a rematch for them, right? It's, it's two very, very good teams facing off the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think the team that has more rest is going to have the upper edge here. And so that's why you want to win this game and go up 3-1 so you can put them away the next game and get more rest. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously if the Knicks, I think trade-in is right. If the Knicks have any chance in the series, they need to win tonight. I think if they lose, it's all but over. Um, and I do agree. I think either one of the teams that comes out of the Sixers Celtics series, which we're going to talk about next, it should be a, a favorite over the heat. 
Um, and but who knows? Like again, if it goes just like you mentioned, James, if that series goes long and the Heat can finish this in five, they get rest. Um, you know, obviously with Tyler Hero being out as well, they don't have that like extra scoring depth on the Heat side. So any rest they can get for Jimmy with the sprained ankle will be huge. Um, obviously, you know, we'll see what happens with the game tonight. Um, you know, it seems like the Knicks, it seems like the Knicks, you know, they won a series, they beat the Cavs team, which, you know, I don't think any of us potentially picked, um, at the beginning of the playoffs, um, which felt kind of like a surprise to me that it went that easily for, for the Knicks. Um, you know, I would still call this a pretty successful season for them, even if they lose in the second round. So, um, but yes, moving on to the other Eastern conference, uh, Matchup, it is 2-2 after a crazy game four um, with some, obviously, because it's the NBA, some controversial uh, officiating calls. But really, the MVP, Joel Embiid, I think kind of the bigger storyline, played awfully in the fourth quarter. Um, Luckily for him, uh, James Harden kind of took over for the Sixers. P.J. Tucker had a really good defensive game, um, and the Sixers won in OT to tie the series 2-2. So James, even with Embiid playing, you know, really poorly in, in the fourth quarter, and he even mentioned that, you know, in the post-game press conference, um, and he's been hurt as well. So he's, he's missed some time, you know, is, is this a win that, you know, kind of pushes the Sixers forward, you know, as they are kind of, you know, I think most people would consider them the, you know, the underdog in the series. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, this is not helpful for the Sixers in terms of momentum or in terms of confidence, in terms of anything, really. Because, I mean, Embiid playing terribly and them getting a win isn't all that all, all that impressive because it was James Harden who came to save the day. We saw flashes of James Harden in the series in Game 1 and this last game. I mean, 42 in Game 1, 45, or 45 in Game 1, 42 in this last game. But how often do you see that outside of these last two games? You You don't. It's it's very very far. It's very few, not very far between. But it's it's rare that this happens, and that was the first time we ever seen that happen when Embiid was in the lineup as well as James Harden. James Harden is wildly inconsistent when it comes to this. If he's hot, cool, but he doesn't get hot often. He doesn't have the potential to take over the game at ease like he used to back in the day. And I think that the Celtics take this into account and will now make some adjustments out of it. I mean, the Celtics. The Celtics' best player has been Jalen Brown. It hasn't been Jason Tatum. But the thing is, the way the offense is set up and the way that Joe Mazzula is like doing all this halftime adjustments is that Jalen Brown gets hot in the first, then takes three shots in the second. How is that even okay? He put up 20-plus points in the first, three attempts in the second half. Like, How does that make sense? Make it make sense. You can't do that. So I think he's going to start to feature Jalen Brown a little bit more when you feature Jalen Brown, he's going to put up 40 and Jason Tatum is doing his normal thing and putting up 20. That's 60 points right there. There's no way that a 76 ers team with a banged up and bead and a rusty and wildly inconsistent James Harden have any shot of taking this team on right now. Um, the way the playoffs in the NBA are set up, it's like if you only have two point scoring, like a big man being your, your kind of the guy who runs the team, it's not all that beneficial because, as always, three is better than two. And so him driving the lane every single time and getting some shots of is great, but then you also need a compliment of James Harden being there to shoot the three ball or Tyrese Maxey shoot the three ball, but they're both not consistent enough to do so. And Jalen Brown, on the other hand, and Jason Tatum, they're all around great players. When you start to feature Jalen Brown more, the wins will start coming. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah, Jalen Brown had, like you said, three shots in the second second half. You know, if he's your best player on the court, you need to be you need to be focusing on him. Yeah, the James Harden thing is weird because I think people want him. They get they got mad at James Harden for being a ball hog and a foul. You know, someone who's just trying to get fouled all the time in Houston, and then he comes here or comes to you know goes to Brooklyn. That doesn't work. Comes to Philly is more like a twenty eight guy and is like passing the ball more often, like people wanted him to do in Houston, but now isn't scoring 36 at night. Like I, we bash on James Harden a lot on this podcast. And it, I feel like he's kind of in this weird spot where like, it doesn't matter what he does. We're just going to be upset that he's not doing the other thing, but yeah, he, had, I mean, Harden and Embiid are going to have to carry the team. Um, and they just hope they get some extra scoring elsewhere. Uh, trade in any just any thoughts also on this, you know, Sixers and Bead and you know, and I guess you know, like James pointed out, Jalen Brown, like you know, two stars of their teams having you know, poor or weird, you know, second halves. Uh, well, I, I really am just want to talk about you know, my thoughts on James Harden. Um, I may, I may get you know, I, I may get in trouble for saying this, but. I, I see this series as similar to the to the Warrior series in that I I see and I know they're not equal players. I I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say this, but it seems like this is a situation where if if Harden's not on, it's it's not going it's not going to do well for uh, it's not going to go well for the 76ers. I think the same thing about AD and the Lakers. He is the X factor in this situation, and if and if that's your X factor, if that's the only way you can move on. You don't, you're not in good shape to James's point Um, because Embiid, you know, Embiid's still, you know, doing his thing. He's, 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 you know, he's the MVP, but you know, and I said this to my buddy, he can't do it alone. (laughs) He he can't, it's impossible. And we've seen that in the, we've seen that in game two and three where, you know, Tatum and Brown are both, you know, are, are both doing their thing. Now, Jason Tatum has not been the star of his team, you know, to James's point, but he's still at, consistently, you know, making things happen consistently doing, uh, you know, some, you know, all around playing, finding a way to contribute to his team and uh, without, without James Harden doing what he did in game four, like, or in game one, like if you can't consistently require, uh, you know, uh, rely on that, I just don't think they have a chance to James's point. So, um, I, I just see some similarities there. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't think, you know, Harden has to necessarily drop 40 in each no. game for them to win, which is what has happened for the Sixers in the series so far. But if he does have, but to be your point, the games two and three, James Harden did not play well and they lost. So it, yeah, it, they're obviously different players. Um, you know, have are both been superstars, you know, with your comparison to AD. Um, I think if, if Harden can play well, I still think the Sixers have a chance. I mean, Embiid is one of those guys who's, kind of an unguardable force somehow Al Horford playoff Al same, same thing as Jimmy Butler Al Horford shows up in the playoffs more than he does in regular season kind of stopped him being that fourth quarter. I don't know if it was tiredness, the, you know, the injury, you know, whatever, but um, you know, they'll have to play well. Um, you know, the series will probably be over by the time we record next. So trading, you know, now it's two, two, it's pretty much the best of three. Do you have the Celtics or the Sixers? I, I still have the Celtics here. Uh, I, I just think they just are just deeper. And I, you know, I, I think, I think that the, the, the first half blunders that we saw um, in game four, just, I, I think, 
I think that there's just a few adjustments that need to be made here. Um, I just think you're going to wear down the the 76ers with your depth because you like you mentioned you're you're bringing up Al Horford. That's depth. The, the, you know you have guys that can c- come up and contribute. So um, I I'm going to say uh, Celtics win the last in the next two. Okay, James. Same Celtics take the next two. Okay, I'm sticking with the Sixers because I picked them to win everything this year. Uh, <laughs> and my two teams, I'm just going to point this out. The two teams that I picked to make the finals are still in the playoffs. None of you, including Tyler, can say that. So I'm going to just toot my own horn for a second there. True. Um, okay, moving. I mean, at least I didn't pick the Mavericks. Okay, moving on. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, over that. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm probably going to bring that up potentially forever. I bet. Nuggets Suns. So this series was kind of funky. The Nuggets won the first two games at home. They were up two nothing. It kind of looked like they might steamroll the Suns. The Suns come back into the desert, and KD and D book decide to just go off, and it is now a two two series. Uh, we just I just got an update like five minutes ago that Chris Paul will not be playing Game Five. Uh, so that is you know obviously Chris Paul has been kind of on and off. Um, all season, but he is still a big part of that team. Uh, Traden, I don't know. We'll start with you. So can KD or Devin Booker be stopped based on how they've been playing the last two games and, or will either team win a game on the road? Because so far, neither one has. Um, it, it seems like Devin Booker is kind of in control of the series right now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's becoming very, very clear that, but when, and KD, uh, but uh, I more so, I think, I think the spotlight's been on uh, Devin Booker here. Um, they, they've kind of controlled the series and it seems like they, they can't like the nuggets have no answer for their, for their, um, for their, you know, for their offensive, uh, you know, uh, dominance, I guess mm-hmm. the, the biggest issue I have, and, and I kind of had a weird feeling about this nuggets team. And I, I, there's something about them that I'm like, I, I don't know that they're there. And I think that, that they're as good as, their record says and i think a lot of it is <laughs> nikola jokic can't can't do it alone <laughs> like it just seems like he's he it's if it, if he if he can't drop like 50 points or what no, no maybe i'm exaggerating but he just had 53 points we had 53 in this last game and they lost yeah. and they lost like, wh- like that's insane guys like that's ridiculous that is the equivalent of losing a game and scoring four goals and still losing the game like it, and that's happened twice in the nhl like yeah. it's, it's absurd and you cannot win games with with you know by yourself especially in the playoffs especially when it seems like um devin booker has has uh has found his has found his game and, fa- and found something he likes and he's exploiting it he seems like he's more of a patient type of player and he's found his he's found his stride he's found what works um same with kd kd seems to be going to the line uh you know consistently because he's, he's finding ways to draw fouls uh to me i i think this series has shifted and when i say shifted i don't mean shifted back to you know whoever's home i mean literally as i think the suns have taken have found the 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 exploit and have found a way to um you know to to dismantle this nuggets team i'm not counting i'm not completely counting the nuggets out but losing a game like that when when nikola jokic puts up 53 it, it, that, that's scary to me, um, especially this late in the series. I mean, I'm not, I, was, I say late, it's game four. That's late. I mean, game one, that's one thing, but game four, oof. 
and the Suns are heating up at the at the right time. Do I think someone's going to win on the road? I do think the Phoenix Suns are going to take the next game. Okay, I like that. Uh, James, I did not put this in the kind of preview thing, but I guess kind of same question. And also, what are your thoughts on Jokic and the Suns owner situation that happened on the, you know, in the middle of the game? Uh, I'm going to answer the second part of that question first with Matt Ishiba, yeah, Suns owner. Um, so my thoughts on that are a little weird because I can go either way on it. It's like, first of all, the a fan, a fan doesn't matter who that person is, mm-hmm. shouldn't be touching an athlete the way he's touching an athlete and like telling him not to do that. You as a fan, it doesn't matter if you're an owner, you're not in the game right now. Like, don't do that. If there's anybody else, you would get fined. But the fact of the matter is, because it was the Suns owner and because the NBA has to kind of split the difference there, Jokic got fined for it. But so thank God he didn't get suspended. And I do like what Matashiba said. That would have been silly. Yeah, and Matashiba went on to Twitter and was like, um, I respect Jokic and I don't want him to be fined. And because that would be a detriment to the game. Like if it was any other, if it was a, a fan, that fan would have been ejected from the game and asked to leave. But because it's the owner, it's different. But you as the owner shouldn't be doing that to begin with, though. Like, don't do that. Like, you have no part in this game right now. You just bought everybody. Cool. Don't touch people. Quite simple. Um, the first part, uh, can D-Book be stopped? Is that what the... What was the Pretty first much, part? Yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> the answer <laughs> <laughs> D-Book cannot be stopped. Uh, that boy is different this playoffs. And it, it's, it's hard for me to admit that because I'm not a huge fan of D-Book as a whole. Uh, this he complains way too much for what he does. Um, but he he is a he's a pure scorer. Uh, he's he's been different this playoffs. Like I said, he's been pretty put thirty six, yeah, thirty five, forty seven point nine. Like he's been putting up numbers in bunches. Um, but if he's not on it, which is rare in this playoffs, you still have KD on the squad, who is a multiple time NBA scoring champ. So like, offense is not the issue here. And I think especially now that CP3 is out of the game or not playing these last couple of games, these last two, and then this one upcoming, I think that's actually been a good thing for the Suns. And that, that's probably a hot take. But CP3 being out means that they're not playing within that offensive system because there's nobody to manage that system. Like CP3 is the master of managing an offensive system mm-hmm. for the true point guard. And they haven't been running that because they haven't had that true point guard. And so what you get is this free-flowing kind of like the runs type offense where you just kind of like, if you go to 24, you play some free-flowing basketball. And that's what you're seeing with the Suns right now. And I think that works out better for this D-Book and KD thing because I don't think Monty Williams, the coach of the Suns, had figured out how to place KD within that system just yet. And so now the system is out of the, out of the question and it's just free-flowing and you see Booker going off and you see KD going off and you see the wins piling up. And as we had mentioned before, the Suns just beat Jokic, who put up 53 points. <laughs> like, if they continue playing the way they are and they keep playing freely and with the high basketball IQ that they possess, I think they win the next two games. And that means one road game, to answer your question, Alex. So I think they won the road game and then the home game to close out the series. And the cool, the Nuggets were the number one seed, but they haven't been dominant. And you got KD and D-Book who are free-flowing and just basketball offensive gods like that's what you're gonna get yeah uh i they do seem to be playing more free um you know chris paul as great as he is at what he does sometimes it does feel a little stagnant 
you know, especially as he's gotten older, it's not the lob city Clippers teams anymore. Like it's a little bit more slower paced and yeah, they're going, they're going fast and obviously they're scoring at an incredible rate. Uh, I'm still going to pick the nuggets to win the series because again, <laughs> I picked them to make the finals. So I'm just going to keep going on that train. There's potentially both of those are wrong in like four days, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Okay, I also just looked it up. There have been 48 times a player has scored 50 in a playoff game, and surprisingly, 11 of those have been in a losing effort. I was surprised it was that many. Uh, The most ever, uh, Michael Jordan, obviously, um, and his was 63, and he lost. So that's crazy. I just thought that was an interesting fun fact. Okay, moving on to the last series. Uh, Game four is also tonight in that Lakers-Warriors series in Los Angeles. Uh, the Lakers are up two to one kind of been a weird series, um, you know, kind of multiple blowouts. Um, just like trade had mentioned, AD plays well, one game, the Lakers win, he plays bad. The Lakers lose and the Warriors blow them out game three, is a monster and they win. We're not going to talk about that because it seems like he'll be, he'll play poorly tonight and the Lakers will lose just based on the entire postseason for the Lakers so far. But One of the biggest factors in this series is the free throw line. We talked about it in the Grizzly series about how the Lakers were such a good, you know, team getting to the line and how that would help, um, you know, push them forward. So same thing is kind of going on in this series. So, so far in the three games, the Lakers are leading the free throw attempts 83 to 39. And in that game one loss, Golden State was outscored by 20 points on the free throw line alone. They only made five free throws all game. The Warriors did. So uh, James will go to you. I don't know. I can't remember what order we're going in anymore, but um, like is the Warriors getting to the line more often and, or the Lakers getting there less like kind of the key for the Warriors to kind of make, you know, come back in the series and um, you know, hopefully make it two two for them uh, tonight. I I don't think so. Um, because like I'd mentioned before in the podcast before that three is still greater than two, <laughs> and even Man. though, even though AD played poorly in that second game, I don't think it would have mattered because Clay Thompson was shooting lights out from the three point line. That's the reason why that got up by like 20 plus in the second, because Kate or Clay uh, Thompson was on fire from three. <clears throat> and I think that the, the Lakers, they, they found the I mean, according to the regular season, they found the least per game but they also take the most amount of free throws in the league per game. The Warriors on the flip side foul the second most per game and they take the least amount of free throws per game, right? And these two teams, the Warriors specifically, with taking the least amount of free throws per game, played well enough, even with their road woes, to what, be the sixth seed in the playoffs, right? It was six, seven, yeah. yeah. So if they played that well with their road woes, I don't think it should really matter in this game. It's, it's the Warriors more so now than ever are living by, by the three live and or die by the three point. Like that's, what's happening. They took 53 three pointers in game one. And you, you expect to go to the free throw line more because you took more than half of your shots from the field, from the three point line. That's not how that works. It's rare to get fouled on a three point shot. The only reason, the only way, why you get fouled on a three point shot is if you don't get that landing zone thing, but defenders getting better than that. You can't expect to go to the free throw line by shooting threes. You got to drive it. And Trayton's X factor, Kevon Looney, is an off- is not an offensive player. Draymond Green is not an offensive player. Who is going to drive that basket? Who's going to get fouled? Nobody. 
And that's not going to, they're not going to change their offensive philosophy for the Warriors to be like, oh, let's drive more because maybe we'll get to the free throw line more. No, they've always been a three point shooting team. They will continue to be a three point shooting team. And if those threes hit, they will win. If they do not, they will lose. AD is an X factor, yes, but the bigger X factor is a three point shooting for the Warriors because three is always greater than two. Wow. That got so much more aggressive than I thought it was going to. Uh, Traden, as the Warriors fan, uh, you know, or how are you feeling about this series so far? Your thoughts? Um, you know, are you just just all all the all the things? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with James. I mean, you can't expect to go to the line if you're not driving the basket. And I think I said this in the first round. I got I was getting pissed because they just weren't like forcing it. And if and you can't expect to go if you're not gonna if you're not gonna force your way to the middle uh into in, the to the uh basket it just i i not watched a lot of basketball i'm not an expert i'm like a beginner like beyond beginner like novice and i at least know that you're not getting fouled out there you're not that's <laughs> just that's just not how it works uh and if and if you're gonna live and die by the three as james said there you go um i i think we can expect ad to not have a good game i mean that's just kind of how <laughs> <laughs> how it rolls um again i think that it's just very important for for ad to 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 come out because um guys i mean lebron can't do it alone i mean lebron is is putting everything he can but it, uh, gone are the days that lebron can completely win a game every like by himself every night like he just he just can't like it just it and i think i think even alex you agree with that because it's just not he's kind of had to change his games for, for the, the way he plays just for longevity. He just is not as, as a much of a full on force that you can't handle all the time. And so you, the, the reason that he went to the Lakers is so that he could team up with AD so that he could have just a little bit more help to get another championship because it, you know, that he, he's the age factor. And we saw what happens when AD goes off. LeBron actually didn't, LeBron didn't even score a, a, a field goal for the first, like, was it quarter game? Their first half in that last he game? Attempt. He didn't even attempt to shoot the ball in the first quarter. Yeah, and and so AD won in that game. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Um, and and they stifled, completely stifled the Warriors. Um, you know, the 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 uh, the the Golden State's offense just kind of got stifled there. Uh, again, the third it was kind of one in the third quarter. It seems like that's the same thing that happened in game two. I fully expect this series to finally have a close game. I, you know, we haven't had a very close game. They've been kind of boring. I mean, not boring, but they've been kind of boring. I mean, they haven't been very exciting in the fourth quarter. You're just like, oh, we already know who's going to win. Uh, I don't think that that's the case here. Um, I want to see Thompson do a little bit better. I want to see both greens not like fight each other and figure out their their issues. Um, I want to see Jordan Poole just don't be a dumbass. Um, I, that, feels, I, that feels like a stretch of an ask. <laughs> yeah, it is. It it is. Um, um, so I, you know, I, what I'm feeling is is I'm I'm confident in the Warriors' ability to to rattle off wins, and I think I'm going to go back to what James said last week about this um, uh, about this series. In that, if the if this series, the longer the series goes, the worse it off, the worse off it is for the Lakers, which is why I think it is actually more important for the Lakers to win this game because the of all the teams in the in the tournament still. The Warriors are probably the best equipped and the most experienced as a unit to come back from a three to one deficit. Will they? I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying they're the best 
um, capable of doing it. And forcing that game seven is just, I just don't know if the, if the, if the Lakers can handle that. So uh, actually running off of what James said, I think that it's more important for the Lakers to win now so that they have an opportunity to close out in as least amount of games as possible. I like that. Uh, James. Yeah. Same thing. Do you think like, you know, this game is more important for the Lakers to go up three, one or two, two. I don't like how Trayton actually listens to me sometimes. Um, <laughs> Cause yeah, that did that. Dude took the words right out of my mouth. Like, yeah, the Lakers are older. So the shorter the series, the better it is for them. You can already see it. In game two, the old heads retired. Ron was out there walking. AD was walking and limping. Like, they can't handle a long series. They need more rest. So the sooner they end it, the better. I like that. Just a note, uh, Gary Payton second is expected to start tonight for the Warriors with Steph Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins. So they're going small to start. That was, I don't don't understand it, but I'm not Steve Kerr, and obviously he's much smarter at basketball than I am. Uh, James, that was a lot, um, but that is all. Uh, we'll, you know, potentially most of these series will be over next time uh, we record, and then we'll we'll go into the conference finals. Yeah, sounds fun. Um, Alex, very glad to have you back. That was an amazing segment. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, I am going to cover baseball. Welcome back, everybody. I am not Tyler. I'm James. Uh, but I'm going to be covering baseball today, so we'll see how that goes. He gave us a list of three topics we had to discuss for his ODAMs. So we're going to start off with one about hitting. Okay, There is currently a very elite hitter in the MLB right now, and his name is Luis Arias. He's hitting 420 right now. Like That's, that's a crazy stat. I actually researched this and looked it up. But there's only been 42 players who have finished with over 400 batting average in a, in a season. And the last time this was done was in 1948. Willard Brown of the Kansas City Monarchs and Artie Wilson of the Birmingham Black Barons. Yep, fun fact. Wow. It's very rare for them to hit over 400 in a season. And right now, probably, or not even at the May 27th date yet, he's hitting 420. Do you guys think he's underrated? And what chance do you give him to hit above 400 this season? Trade and start with you. Um, yeah, I think, I think you could say he's underrated. I mean, he, he's kind of been a consistent, um, you know, three, five, you know, uh, batting average percentage, which is, that's pretty solid. I mean, you, you don't hear about him. Um, I don't think he's the guy that's, you know, hitting the dingers. He seems like he's a guy that, that kind of is a, is a, um, you know, what, what's old is new for him, right? Like, like they, he kind of played that not small ball, but he kind of kept the, he, he, he wants to get contact. He wants to get on the base and that, and that's what he does. And it's led to having, you know, higher than, you know, I would say average, at least in these days, um, uh, batting average, uh, I'm sorry, 32%, not 35. So I apologize. Anyway, um, at 40% though, you know, well over 40%, that's excellent. He's, he's just, he, he's, he's doing his thing and he, and he's, you know, um, probably, probably in an unsustainable level, to be honest with you. I think that the way he hits eventually is, is, is going to catch up to him. Um, and it's just eventually your bat slows down with 42 left. He's not, he's not the guy that he, he pops out a lot. Um, you know, he has a low strikeout rate, but he, you know, he's, 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 um, you know, he's hitting fly balls quite a bit. And I think that that is going to eventually catch up to him. And I think that his, um, his unsustainable like line drives are just going to finally catch up to him. And he's probably going to end up just below four, but 
to say that he's, uh, you know, to say that he's um, underrated, I think that that's, that's absolutely a factor. And, and quite frankly, if you're getting on base, you have a better chance of scoring. At, and so I love this type of player. Alex, what do you think? Uh, I think he's rated well for what he is. Like he's a like Rod Carew, Juan Pierre, you know, like type, like slap type hitter. He doesn't hit homers, which is why I think like underrated is maybe not the right word for him. Cause I think he, I think, you know, general like MLB fans know he's a good hitter and like, he does not strike out a bunch. It just hasn't helped that he's played for, you know, most recently Minnesota and now Miami, like those are not teams that have been generally very good lately. And unfortunately, like don't get a lot of, you know, national media attention because they're not big market teams. Um, I get a chance to hit 400.001%. Like realistically, it's not going to happen. I mean, so if you look at his BABIP, which is batting average of balls in play, the last two years, 323, 331. This year, 442. That's like an unsustainable number. It's going to go down. He's still a great hitter. It would not surprise me if he hit like 350, which is still an incredible number, you know, uh, based on like, on what the seasons or, you know, what we see guys doing now. I just, you know, like it's, I think it was, it was a great trade between Minnesota and Miami. I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's playing well. Um, I don't know. Like he, he, he is what he is. I don't think he's going to hit 400. Um, but if he, if he can hit 350 and help Miami, you know, potentially kind of fight for a wild card spot, then that's a win. And I forgot to ask you, but do you think he hits 400 the season? No, I, I think, I think he's, you know, I, I think he's going to get a little bit closer to his average. I mean, he could like Alex said, I think he could hit 350, but 400 just seems out of the realm. Yeah. And I also wanted to answer this question too, even though I'm hosting, but Alex, this is more for you to kind of put me back on a little bit here, but uh, I think you are correct in the fact that he's not necessarily underrated or overrated. I think he's rated correctly. Like he is hitting great batting average wise. But that's not translating into RBIs. And in my opinion, RBIs are probably one of the be- most important stats because that's how you win games. The more RBIs or runs batted in, the more you score. Currently, Arias only has 12. He's like 150 plus and off, like he's not in the top 150 in terms of RBIs in the MLB, even though he's hitting 420. There's an issue there. Like he, he's maybe just hitting singles the entire time, but damn, dude, like, you need a little bit more if you want your team to succeed. And right now you're just, you're pulling a Russell Westbrook when he was with the Thunder, when he was the only one there, just gaining recognition for his triple doubles without any team success. That's what it's looking like right now. So you're being selfish. And I mean, like Alex, let me know if I'm wrong, but it, I think RBIs are a little bit more important than his batting. Coach. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it's also, you can't hit, you can't get an RBI if there's no one on base in front of you. So right. like, yeah, you can get a single RBI for a, a, a single, like, you know, a solo homer. But, like, if the rest of the Miami Marlins offense is shit, which it's, is always shit, and there's no one in front of you, there's nothing you can do about that. So I, I get what you're saying. And maybe it's just been like a weird season. I don't know. He probably leads off. I don't know, you know, what. Fifth in the batting order. He's what? fifth? Fifth. Okay. Then, yeah, he should have more RBIs, but also the guys in front of him need to be getting on base if. Like if they want, if he wants to get more RBI. So it's a little bit of both. Like some guys, you know, hit really well with runners on some guys don't, 
Um, but if there's nobody on, you can't do it. There's probably numbers to back that up that I could find, but I'm not about to look them up right now. Could you look at could you look at simple runs because you're putting yourself in a run in running in in scoring position? Even I mean, though yeah, it may not be anybody on base, you're putting yourself in position. Thing, like unless you hit a homer, you can't control how many runs you score without the guys behind you then hitting you in, unless you're just stealing everything and then hoping there's like a sack fly or a wild pitch or something. So like it's so subjective with baseball, I think, you know, because it's all of your stats are also based on what the other guys are doing, except for homers, like as a, and like, and walks as a, and strikeouts, like those th- the three true outcomes. Those are the only things you can really control as a hitter. The rest of them, you know, are up in the air, depending on what your teammates are doing. So I don't know. It's tough. Like, I, you know, I don't think he's been known as like a big RBI guy, but it would definitely help the Marlins if all these hits led to them scoring more runs for sure. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Moving on to our next little, oh, damn here. Uh, we talked an elite hitter before. Now we're going to talk an elite division. AL East, they are crazy right now. Everybody's above 500. Tampa Bay, 800. Baltimore, 647. Toronto, 600. Red Sox. 583 and the Yankees at 514 sucks for them. Prior to yesterday's game, uh, the Red Sox won eight in a row, but they lost yesterday. So their streak comes to an end, but damn, they put up some serious numbers uh, on top of how good these teams are. All the run differentials are positive. Tampa Bay leads it with 115 and then the Yankees have a plus three, but everybody in between is still green. And that's really, really cool to see. So this being the most, amazing beastly best division in baseball which team or teams will miss the postseason for that division alex uh i mean based on the math you know at least two of those teams are probably going to miss the postseason right so is that how it works now how many teams make postseason? oh there's four three wild card spots three wild cards so I, so I guess based on that, at least one will miss the postseason because not all five can make it then. I still think the Red Sox are probably the worst team in that division. I would be surprised if they made it. I think you give Toronto and Tampa a almost a for sure ticket they're in already. Like maybe not they're not in, but they feel like the best suited to keep going. The Yankees in Baltimore, no idea. Shot in the dark. Uh, I think the Yankees, if they're healthy, are a better team, but I don't trust they're going to be healthy. I mean, they signed Carlos Rodon to this big deal in the offseason. He hasn't played yet. Now he's got a chronic back issue. You know, last year, they, you know, it was kind of the Aaron Judge show and carrying the offense and then nothing uh, from the rest of the guys. So I'm going to say I really want one of those other AL, like one of these ALS teams also to make it. So, I'm going to say, fuck it. Three of them missed the postseason. So we're going to make it our Tampa Bay and Toronto from there. Yeah. I'm going to say, holy shit. I'm going to say Baltimore, New York, and Boston don't make it. And somehow Houston, Seattle, Texas, Angels, somewhere in that mix takes one of those spots. And then whoever wins the Central. Holy fuck, dude. Yeah. I'm going to go big. Uh, Trayden obviously does not agree. Trayden, <laughs> no, I, it that's insane. Um, I think three teams are going to make it. Um, in the in the alias, I'll, I'll I'll throw two out. 
I'll throw two out because I want obviously the Angels to make it, and I just don't know how they're mm-hmm. going to be able to to win the AL West. I mean, maybe, but we it seems like they're kind of like the fucking uh, Mets in the in the in the West. Like they'll Angels it up and they'll fuck it up. Like that's what they always do. So uh, yeah, that's just how it goes. As for the AL East, the Orioles. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous about the Orioles in terms of their um, in terms of their ERA. Their starting rotation has is 25th among all teams, and I just think that that kind of catches up to you down the stretch. I mean, I think their hot start kind of uh, you know is kind of shadow overshadowing the uh, the reality that is, and eventually you know the, the bats get a, you know, the bats will kind of um, you know settle down a little bit and you're going to be relying more on your, and your pitching. And I, if you're 25th in, in ERA, you're going to get mollywhopped down the stretch. It's just how it works. Um, and I, and I just think the Orioles are, um, are in trouble as, as much as I like them. I just think that they're in trouble. I, the Yankees are in trouble guys. I, I think that their injuries are kind of m- mounting. And I think that that's a big problem. And I see, I, I actually see the Yankees going to be sitting out and the Orioles are going to be sitting out. I, I know that seems crazy, but um, I guess it's not as crazy as freaking Alex. that has all three of them it has three teams. Missing. You have, so you have Boston, Toronto and yeah. Yeah. I, I Boston squeaking it out. But again, um, we're 21 or three weeks away from really talking about this. I mean, in three weeks, then we'll really be able to talk about who, who that is. That is the official, the so. official date. That is true. So in your guys' mind, Tampa Bay Autumn will just take this entire division. Oh, yeah. There's no question. I think Toronto's could still win the division. Like Tampa has been off to an incredible start, but they do feel like both those teams, at least in my opinion, feel like in their their playoff teams. Okay. Oh, I know they could lose 14 in a row and fire Joe Madden and, and lose everything. <laughs> like you never know. It's still early. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not May 27th yet, ladies and gents. Yeah. Not May 27th yet. <laughs> Moving on to our last ODAM of this week, we're talking some home run celebrations because this year has been really, really fun and really cool. Just to name a couple, you have the Trident with the Mariners because, you know, the Mariners and Water and Trident and, yeah, Aquaman. Samurai Warrior Angels because Shohei, that's a thing. Mobster Jacket with the White Sox because Chicago. Powder Power with the Nationals when they put on that wig. For you know, being an old head, like that's cool. And then for you know the Detroit Tigers, the hockey helmet. Because I needed to put something in there for trading. They put on a hockey helmet because the Red Wings were good. Oh my god. Of all of these, of all the celebrations, they just named off a couple. I didn't name off all of them, obviously. Trading, which is your favorite? Um, for me, it's a toss-up because I love I love ones that really dive into the 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 identity of the team. So Seattle's with the Trident, like that. Like there's that there's the um you know um the sea born like connection there and that's what I really like uh, nautical connection that's what that's the word I was looking for my favorite one I mean I got I got I mean dude this team I'm I'm talking about this team every week and I'm determined to talk about this team every time we talk about the MLB and it's the fucking Pittsburgh Pirates bringing out the whole like scimitar thing like that's fu- that's and that, that's the whole pirate thing like that's that's what I'm talking about. And you know what? They're going to keep going. And they're, dude, they're, they're a force. I'm, t- I'm, they're, they're a wagon. I'm calling right now. They're a fucking wagon. They're going to be, they're going to kill it the rest of the way. Do they make the playoffs? Yes. Because of that. You okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> because of their home run celebration. Yes. That hot take. That's going to go on the Instagram. Alex, <laughs> which one is your favorite? Yeah. I agree with Traden. I like them when they're, they're tied in to the city and the team. Uh, so like the Shohei Samurai one, I really like. Obviously, there is 
it's LA. So there's a big population of everybody, but like Shohei's kind of the face. There's the face of MLB. I like that one. I really like the Mariner one. I think that one's great. Um, I really like the pirates one. Um, I, I'm going to go. So like, I really like almost all of them. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the Detroit one. Like I get that the Red Wings are, you know, the best franchise in the city of Detroit history wise, like, and it's not really close with the other (laughs) teams, but like that, it should have been like, like a, they need to do like a guitar or something with cars or something. Like you're known for being a music city and building cars. Like that's what Detroit is known for. You should have done something like that. Um, I also hate the Atlanta one. I know baseball or like new era has stopped that with the big hat. This is stupid. That has nothing to do with anything. You're just putting on a giant hat. That's dumb. Um, so yeah, I really like the Mariners one and I like the, I like the pirates one as well. And I like the angels one. (laughs) I really want to get a big hat one day and actually wear it and see what happens. One day I'm going to get that. Uh, Obviously, my favorite is going to be Samurai Warrior Angels because that's what I watch the most. So that's my favorite. And that wraps up the MLB O'Dams this week. Tyler, I hope I made you proud. Uh, <laughs> we can take a quick break. <laughs> but in return, we're going to talk NHL playoff hockey and potentially the draft. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to talk hockey with trading. Um, depending on how long this this little segment goes, we can know about who has the number one pick in the draft. But honestly, you're going to listen to this tomorrow. So you already know. But we're going to recap it anyway, I think. Maybe. Yeah, yeah dude. We, we, okay. First of all, I want to, I really want something to break while like breaking news while we're on this podcast. So, I, so we can react like live. I think that's, I think that's cool. Even, even though everyone will know it's like, Oh, what do the TLDR boys do? You, they probably know. And then it's going to happen while we're doing the podcast. Like, this is awesome. First of all, uh, second, uh, second of all, regarding the draft lottery, it is going on right now. Um, they're just teeing it up. Um, you know, it's a full half hour They make a whole thing out of it. They don't do enough theater they don't they need to have the gms there so they're like looking at each other like giving each other like you know weird faces and just like like the gms need to be involved and they're not and that's kind of uh, unfortunate um for a quick recap there um james your team has the highest chance of getting it uh getting Connor bedard getting the first overall pick at 25 percent. your odds are actually 18.5 but but every team that's above the 10th spot uh i'm sorry that that are, is above the 11th spot, excuse me, um, can't get the first pick. So if they were to get the the first overall pick, it just automatically goes to you. You can only move up 11 spots. So that's why you have 25% or over 25%. Because if Ottawa, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Nashville, or Calgary get it, you get it. So um, that's why you have the most odds. Um, I love that. Is- Don't like it. <laughs> Love it. Um, I, I guess I, I guess it saves from Calgary, you know, getting Connor Bedard, which would be ridiculous because um, they have a point. Oh, what if chance. Pittsburgh got him, dude? Pair him up with Sid. That oh, would be boy. Go. See, this this is what I'm talking about. This is why uh, you know we want to see who's going to get him. Uh, and the second pick, uh, being Adam Fantilli, most likely is also a stellar hockey player. So um, wherever you land in the top. Five, you're going to be freaking set. Um, but let's talk about the playoffs first. Um, Alex, you kind of missed out on a lot of the, the playoffs um, for the last two weeks. Um, you know, I'm sorry that your team lost 
I'm kind of sorry, but I, you're not sorry at all. Don't, <laughs> I'm not don't sorry at all. Uh, but uh, as I said, as I said to um, uh, to Tyler, you guys are going to be a force for many, many years. So just don't worry about it. Um, it I I fully believe that. Um, um, but let's let's talk about these playoffs. Let's start back in the East. Uh, I want to start um, with the Devils Hurricanes. Uh, so we know, obviously, last week we didn't know who the Hurricanes would be playing. They ended up playing the Devils after they, after a Game 7 drumming uh, by the Devils over the Rangers. James has not been happy about this, uh, about the Devils making it, which I don't understand. I mean, maybe you said that because of the first two games they kind of got completely shit on, much like they did in the first series, and then they shit on the Hurricanes in Game 3. Completely different, um, you know, I guess I guess if the Devils make it on make it to the next uh, next series, they should just say, "Hey, we'll just take the two L's in the first two, and we'll just start the series in Game 3. Seems <laughs> seems like that's that seems to be working for them. It's very weird, and it just just seems to be you know their thing. Um, so you know, I just wanted to ask the boys. You know, the you know we're sitting here. It's Game Four tomorrow uh, for for this uh, for this series. Um, you know, James, we have a series now. I mean, uh, the you know the Devils finally broke through. They finally looked very, very, very good. Um, I think the goaltending is still a problem, but nonetheless, um, you know, they 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 showed some fight. Uh, do you think uh, that game three is all that the Devils needed to settle in? And uh, do you think the Canes are due for a big response in Game Four? So just to answer your question before your statement before about why I did not like this at all, because I bet pretty heavily on shots on goal for the devils players for the first two games and they got like eight shots on goal and i was like i'm losing i'm hemorrhaging money at that point because it's all going down the drain because they're not shooting on goal and i was like how is this team made it to the second round and they're shooting eight shots on goal that doesn't make sense to me and i was pissed now you saw you thought that series one too and you were like what the fuck i was so mad about the rangers (laughs) exactly and then um Game three comes around, and obviously I did not bet on them because I lost so much game one. <laughs> well, man, I should have bet on them. So this is this is the team that I really despise the most. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but is game three the game that the Devils needed to settle in? I mean, based off of history, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you saw us in the, the round one. Like they took game three and then game four. They're like, okay, cool, we got this. I mean, th- this might be the same exact progression. And we've seen this story before. And if it happens in this series and they win this series, which I don't want to have happen, <laughs> like <laughs> you'll probably see that in the next series. Like that's just how it's going to work. Um, I think the Canyons just need to be a tad bit more physical on the defensive end to make the Devils not want to shoot on goal because that's literally all they need to succeed, right? If the Devils can't put shots on goal up like they did the first two games, then the Canes are in the clear. But if if they let him, they laid off the gas and the hits, the number of hits went down in game three and you're looking at that and you're like, oh, no wonder why they were a little bit more free-flowing and they felt like they could get whatever they wanted because they could. There was no repercussion for getting to their spots. If you put that repercussion there, you put a little bit of fear in them, less shots on goal, translates to less goals, translates to a better Kane's percentage of winning. And that's, that. I mean, it, to put it simply, that's what you got to do. Uh, but as we all know, hockey is hard to predict. So I have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, t- to your point there, the, the Canes play such a structured game 
and they stick to that structure and it is relentless. And it takes a lot to check every fucking shift. It takes a lot out of you. And eventually you just don't have it one game and, you know, it, it, and then you have to go back and hear Rod the Bod like grill your ass because you didn't, you know, do what he told you to do. And, but then they go out and do it again. Like they're just relentless. And Alex, it, you know, it seems like the Hurricanes just, you know, it's not, it wasn't their night. Um, and you, you, ha- you were the only one that had the Devils moving on here. Except, well, I did at the end, but that's because I switched <laughs> my my choice. So I, it was all you. Um, how do you feel about your? I'm going to say your Devils. I'm going to. Uh, how do you feel about your Devils now? Do you think that the, like I uh, same question? Do you think that they're settled in, or do you think the Hurricanes are going to come back with that relentless checking game and 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 maybe neutralize both the Hughes brothers because both of them look real good in Game Three? Yeah, um, as we all know, the New Jersey Devils are my favorite hockey team. Um, I picked them <laughs> to move on in the first round. Um, I do think this helps them settle in a bit. And even in this in this last game, they gave up history in the fact they gave up three shorthanded goals, and they won by f- four goals. Like it was a wild game when you really like you know mm-hmm. twelve goals were scored, three of them shorthanded by the Canes, and they still lost by four. So like, it's a crazy game. Um, I, I do think this helps the Devils settle in a little bit. Um, you know, as we've mentioned all season, you know, they're young, they're fast. Um, you know, those Hughes brothers are incredible. I don't know, maybe with Jack losing part of his tooth, that gave him like a next extra step because he's like a little bit lighter. I don't know. <laughs> um, I I do think that, like you mentioned, like the Devils goaltending is an issue. And if they, if they, similar to the Kings, you know, like if they have great goaltending, they can beat anybody. Um, I do think this, the game four will be extremely important. You know, I don't think, you know, obviously they don't want to go down three to one. Um, but I, 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 if there's a team that can regain that structure, like you were talking about, it is the Canes. So, you know, maybe this time off, watch some tape, you know, figure out, you know, where the devils are getting in their spots and, you know, how to prevent them from getting to those spots will help set that up. But um, yeah, you know, if the Hughes brothers can continue playing well, I think the devils, you know, have a good shot at, you know, tying the series up uh, tomorrow. When do they play in tomorrow night? Yeah. I played tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I like that. I mean, J- Jack Hughes was so good, um, you know, last, last night. And, uh, and, you know, it, it seems like he gets up when he wants to, when he plays with his brother, which I think is really cool to have the, both those guys going in game three. Um, and, and, um, and Luke actually, you know, get some points, you know, and be a big contributor. I think that's massive. And I don't think he's coming out of the lineup um, anytime soon <laughs> now that he's in. Yeah. Um, so Jay, what was that? Sorry. Can now after they played like that. Nope. nope. No, you're absolutely right. Um, so Alex, uh, who, who, how do you think this series goes now? I'm going to go, I'm going to pick the devils. I'm going to, I'm going to go devils in seven. Why not? They win devils in seven, which, which, um, you know, I'm going to go through all the, uh, I'm going to go through the, uh, the brackets right now. Uh, You had the devils in seven last series and you have the devils moving on to the conference, to the conference finals. So, so far you're in good shape and they're against against Carolina who you had in six, which you hit perfectly. So your East has been so perfect. Congratulations. James, who do you have in this series, buddy? Uh, I'm going to save you all the heartbreak of looking through that because I didn't have the Devils or the Canes moving on. So <laughs> whatever there. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say Canes in seven just because I really despise the Devils. 
Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, so, you, so you do think the Devils are going to push this to get to push it, you know, the distance, um, come back, and it's going to go long. And and to me, guys, um, just given the hurricane structure, even though they don't have all the scoring, it seems like they're able to score against this this tending uh, tending unit. So, um, I think Game Seven plays well into Carolina's um, you know favor, just because New Jersey, to Alex's point, is young. They're learning it. They're learning this game um, on the fly, and you know eventually young teams just don't know how to handle a, a game seven situation um, against a team that is just really structured. I don't count the fake Rangers because they're fake. Um, <laughs> moving on to the other team in the East. Uh, so, uh, Oh, I guess I'll say um, I have the, I have the devils actually um, coming out of this one in, uh, in six. Um, I, I think they're going to need to do it in six. Otherwise seven just doesn't look good. Moving on to the other side of the, uh, of the East. Um, wow. The Leafs and Panthers, guys. The Leafs did the unthinkable and won. Uh, finally, after 19, uh, 19 years, made it to the to the second round. The entire fan base was chanting, "We want Florida! We want Florida!" While they after they won, and uh, the Panthers turn around and just win three in a row. And now the now the Leafs are on the brink after three games. Um, you know, uh, Florida goes in there and they get outplayed in the first two games with, and, and they, and they still win, which is ironic because I, I think we all can argue that and, and very easily can argue that Tampa Bay was the better team in the first series. They just, they just didn't get enough goals. Um, they, they outplayed the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto was lucky to get out of there. Um, and they did. And now the Panthers flip the script except for game three where we saw the the big dogs completely do absolutely nothing um and alex i ask you do these big guys have the have the have the it factor i mean the the big four nylander marner um Tavares and matthews have zero goals in this series uh, i know they have a few assists but they have no goals they're not stepping up when they when they need to it seems to be the same freaking thing every year for this fucking team for this group of guys what's wrong here i don't know <laughs> I don't get it. We, you know, I saw a lot of talk about how during the lightning series, you know, you wanted the big boys to step up after, after the game one loss, like we wanted to see the big boys step up. They kind of did it. Um, you know, even, you know, even last year, we wanted to see them step up. You know, Matthews had this incredible 60 goal season last year. We thought, okay, maybe this is the year the Toronto will break that streak. Didn't happen last year. They finally do it this year. And, you know, I think, you know, I think you asked us at the beginning of the, of the season, if, you know, if Toronto doesn't win a series or goes deep, is it time to blow it up? I don't remember what I said. I hope I said yes. And I think if you had asked me that question after the round one, I would have been like, no, they finally did it. This team has that grit. They got past, you know, the a two-time champ team, like all this craziness. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's just not the right group. You, you know, you get these superstars together, and sometimes it just doesn't work unless they have an incredible comeback. I'm not saying like blow it up, blow it up, but maybe they gotta get they gotta do something different. Like, I don't know if they need like a, a Ryan Reeves, a Pat Maroon type guy, like just somebody else to give that, you know, give that locker room a better feel. But, um, and you know, on the other side, like Florida came off 
what you could potentially call the biggest upset in NHL history and the biggest, you know, like collapse by a team in NHL history. If you want to, if you want to call it that. So like they're on the, the highs of highs. No one thought they would beat beat Boston. Nobody probably picked them then to move on past Toronto at this point. And they're one game away from, you know, from the conference finals. So I don't know, Toronto, like you, maybe they just like got all excited because they won a series and then just stopped kind of working, but it, it's, it's bad. (laughs) They got to figure something else out. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's sad because, um, you know, as as a as a Oilers fan, we get we get connected to the Leafs all the time, and the question is, who's the better team? Who's the better team? And I and I even texted this to my dad. For the longest time, I could argue that the Edmonton Oilers did not have the depth of the Maple Leafs. They just didn't. They they just didn't. But our top guys showed up every fucking playoffs. There's no. I never have a problem. Uh, we do not lose because our top guys are not there. It's because of the depth, and. That and I would much rather have that problem than have the exact opposite problem where my big guys oh. don't show up 100% of the time. Um, so Toronto, you have some thinking to do. Um, and uh, you, you have you have you have to start digging deep because I don't think you have anything, James. I ask you, you said that the that the, the Panthers are going to be coming off this emotional thing, um, and you know, it's gonna, it's gonna get to them while it kind of didn't. Are they real? Are, is this team real? <laughs> Um, well, technically the panther is not a distinct species of itself, but a general name used to refer to, uh, black feline cats, that family, like the leopards and jaguars. So no, panther's not real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, the thing with this team is that the Leafs are getting their opportunities, but goalie Bob is in his bag right now. <laughs> goalie Bob's kind of on fire. Uh, the boys... 938 save percentage, but like, how long is that going to last for? That's like my question to you guys is that how long is goalie Bob going to be goalie Bob like? Or when is he going to start to turn to Swiss cheese like he does eventually all the time? He doesn't, he's not consistent, doesn't stay on that high for that long. He's, he's prone to being mentally weak. Um, so I, in my opinion, I mean, the Maple Leafs are getting those shots on goal. Like Matthew says 14, Nylander is 14, Tavares is 12. Those shots on goal are happening. All you need is one or two of those to go in, like in a back-to-back fast fast pace. And then you get goalie Bob in his head. And when goalie Bob gets in his head, oof, that's not that's not looking good for the Panthers. You got like it's ooh, you gotta go back to the who's the rookie that's back there? Um Lion? The Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon. Yeah, you gotta go back to Alex Lyon, and maybe he might do better. But once you knock goalie Bob out, who's been playing phenomenally, I think that the the river starts to flow a little bit. It's like once you get those first one or two goals and it, the Leafs are up 2-0, it's like that little like spurt, the little crack in the volcano before the eruption happens. And all of a sudden, there's this onslaught of goals, and all you need is one or two. Goalie Bob is not the most mentally strong person out there. And as, as, a, as a goaltender, you got to be. And he, he's not it. So in my opinion, like, you got to bring out the brooms, but bring him out the opposite direction because the Maple is 24 in a row. Oh, boy. Uh, I love that. Really quick. Sweet. One of Columbus, Anaheim, or Chicago will be taking the first overall pick. The rest of those teams have 
have, have their spots. Um, the final three are coming up. So we'll get to that. Um, as it pertains to the Leafs, um, uh, Panthers, um, Okay, last question before, before we move on and, and ask about your uh, about your picks. Both of you, you're in a game seven situation. Actually, you know what? You're not even in a game situa- seven situation. You're building a team. You're looking for the best North American, I'm sorry, bo- bo- best American forward in the game. Do you pick Matthew Kachuk or, or Austin Matthews? Oh. James. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Say it. I'm going to go with Matthew Kachuk, man. You're fucking right. That's why, because you're right. <laughs> You're, you're right. This dude's Alex. a rap, but uh, he's he's good on the offensive end, and he makes people pee his pants. Like that, that he's, he's scary. <laughs> Boom! Thank you, Alex. What about you? I I do think Chuck's a more complete player. I think Matthews could still is still the better goal scorer, but as an overall hockey player, I think you would pick Chuck. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and he is an absolute fucking force. Um, and I thank God that he's not in Calgary anymore because I can actually appreciate his uh, his greatness because he is an absolute force. Um, Alex, four or five games? Five. Five? So you think the Leafs will give everybody hope and then sh- and then shit the bed in game five, which I actually think is going to happen. James, what about you? Uh, I mean, I, reverse sweep. So maybe we've seen seven. Reverse sweep? Whoa! Bro did not pay attention when I said that earlier. Alex did. <laughs> yeah. Um, d- I hope you bet that because you make a lot of money for that one. Yeah, uh, put a dollar down to win like maybe a hundred. Uh, yeah, let's move over to the to the, to the west. Um, Dallas, Seattle, um, quite an interesting um, situation here. D- uh, Seattle just doesn't seem to go away. Grubauer is getting getting hot, um, very very hot, and Seattle just is finding it, it, that depth just shines. Um, James has Ottinger been broken? He has not looked. He did not look good in game one. He looks, and I thought, okay, you can give him one game. You know, it happens. Um, he comes back and plays pretty pretty dang well in game two, and then it happens again in game three. Does not look good again. Did did this did the Seattle Kraken break Jake Ottinger? I think that's a really good assumption to say that he's been broken, but I don't agree with the, that fact at all. Um, like you had mentioned, every goalie gets a bad game, right? And that's that's okay when it's like on on the goalie himself. And game three, that bad game happened after the turning point of middle high skating going out once he got hit in the face and left the game and didn't come back and that goal went in it was like boom the floodgates had opened there was no stopping the cracking at that point and it's because i think they were given great opportunities because their defensive quarterback in middle high skating was not in the lineup anymore and without him back there to orchestrate where everybody goes what people do and how they kind of slide to the puck and cover everybody that went out the window when that goes out the window the what the Kraken had like what five goals on like eight shots that doesn't normally happen if you have good defensive positioning which they did not so I, I even though Ottinger took the L on that game I don't think the L was specifically on him in game one I believe it was yes um but I think Ottinger will bounce back greatly he is a elite goalie and that's why he's been considered elite because he bounces back from tough games in a good way and him taking that third period off to kind of sit back relax, gather his thoughts, and not be in the game is going to rejuvenate him for these next couple of games moving forward. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that he's going to have a nice bounce back. Um, and as I speak, I'm, we're just about to see the Chicago Blackhawks have won the draft lottery to which James says what? Uh, well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chicago Blackhawks won somehow. Um, of course it was because, you know, it's the Chicago Blackhawks and they get everything because, you know, they can fucking do stupid shit and still get away with it. So I, I, I'm a little irate, but we'll get, you know, we'll get through it. Uh, Alex, Seattle Kraken has been very good depth wise. Um, Drew Hour has been very good. What are your thoughts about the Seattle Kraken team? And do you think that they are for real and they can knock off this Dallas team that is very, very good? Um, I kind of want to say yes. But Kraken are a mythical creature that blah, 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 whatever. I was trying to... Uh, <laughs> I want to say yes. I They're giving me the same vibes as Vegas during their cup run year in their first season where you're just like, this can't keep happening. And maybe with the Kraken, it's just taken two years to do it. And this whole season, you know, I don't think any of us picked the Kraken to make the playoffs. They just keep kind of coming. The depth, the depth is incredible. You know, they, you know, they have the Calder trophy winner on their team. Um, well, not official, but it's official. Uh, I, I want to say yes. Like I do. I think Dallas can turn it around because they are, they are an incredible team. Yes. I do think that can happen, but, um, like Seattle, like, I, you know, I don't know how many of us picked, you know, out of the bracket challenge, picked them to move past Colorado. Probably not many. I didn't. Um, you know, I thought Colorado was getting healthy, healthier at the right time and had a good shot. Didn't happen. Um, and yeah, you know, and then you look at Grubauer and, you know, he won last year with the, with the abs. And that's a, that's a big deal is having a, a goaltender that has gone through it all and won, uh, you know, on it, you know, to be fair, last year on a team that kind of felt destined to win, didn't really matter what was going to happen. And, that, and then he's had a, he had an awful regular season or like up and I guess up and down. And now he's, and sometimes that's what happens. A guy gets hot and he carries, you know, it carries his team. So I'm going to say yes. I think, I think Seattle's real. I think they can, I think they can win the series. How many games? So they're up 2 1 right now, right? Yeah. So, I'm going to say seven just because I really like seven game sevens. All right. I like that. I think this will go the distance. Um, by the way, uh, Alex, you had neither of these teams making it. Yeah. So uh, I had one really good side of the bracket and one and really one bad. Uh, James, you had Dallas making it um, and no one had Seattle except Jose, which I mean, we didn't know there would be this good. James, how do you feel? How many games does the Dallas need to, to close out this series? Because I know you're going to say Dallas. Yeah, six games. So they're just going to rattle off the next three. Yeah. Right. Rest like three that. for Andre, man. That's going to be key. Yeah. Seattle, uh, Seattle just won't go away, but uh, I, I like, I like those picks. Um, all right. Moving on to the last series, uh, Edmonton, the, the only series that has only played two games. Um, and we saw, um, you know, Edmonton, um, you know, go into, go into Vegas in game one and did not look at five on five. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl gets four goals. It seems to me that in this, in this playoffs, if uh, you're going to score four goals as a, t- as a player, uh, like once, once a player scores three, you should just tell the player to sit down and not score anymore. Because as soon as you score four, you fucked yourself. Cause that happened twice back to back. Um, and so here we are again. Um, Oilers did not look good in that game five and they still only lost by one. If you don't include the empty netter. And then you move on to game two, where the Oilers completely dismantled the golden Knights in every shape in, 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 in any way possible, both on the scoreboard and in every facet of the game, um, in the trenches, 
um, on the power play. In fact, the Oilers power play percentage went down because they only went 50% on the power play that game when they were at 54. So it actually like their, their, their playoff percentage actually declined, which is ridiculous. Um, Alex, I, this is goes to you. Um, you know, we have a series and I, I am going to sit here and say, um, that this is series is far, far, far from over. Like there's just no way that, that, uh, this is going to be, this is going to be over. But do you think that the, the series has tilted and, and how do you feel about the, uh, you know, how do you feel about the golden Knights responding tonight, um, in Edmonton? Yes, I, I do think it has tilted a bit. I think if you're a golden Knights fan and you didn't expect the Oilers and their offensive powerhouse to come out at, you know, win game two, then you're delusional. Like it was, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. We've seen it from the second half of the season on, they've been incredible. And I really hate saying that because <laughs> I like it when our team, like other teams lose, uh, you know, like the other guys teams lose. It's one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> um, but I, I do think so. And, and then to answer, so, I think it has tilted back into the Oilers' favor a bit. I probably, I mean, I picked the Oilers to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, so I expected them to. I expect them to beat the Knights. Um, I and for the Knights in their response, you know, now they're in Edmonton. They have to score first. If you don't score first tonight, I think you're going to lose Game Three. Um, and either way, I think you know. Vegas has to come out of these two games in Edmonton with a win. One of these games they need to win to have a chance to win this series. Um, you know, I, I expect, a, you know, a, a bigger step up from them. Um, it's just containing dry sidle at this point, which is potentially impossible. He, yeah. he might be the Hulk. He might be the Hulk indeed. Um, yeah. It's, you know, James, I'm flipping it to you. Um, you know, we, we saw split. We saw split in Vegas. Now, um, and Alex thinks that, that you know the, the the Golden Knights at least need to split in in Edmonton. They've been a very good vi- visiting team. And guys, um, James, um, you've been you, you're you're a vi- big proponent of the of home ice advantage, which has not existed in the in this playoffs. The the highest percentage ever in history. Sixty percent of the of the games have been won by the away team. Um, so uh, I I think it's safe to say that that home ice does not really matter in this uh you know in this playoffs. I mean unless you have a different take. But um, how do you feel about the Knights? You know going into going into Game Three, and do you think that we'll see a split going back to Edmonton Game Five? Um, going back to Vegas Game Five. Excuse. Me. I didn't know that I thought home ice mattered. Um, so well, you, are, you are a big proponent of home, <laughs> home, home field, home court, home. Yeah, ground. but not in hockey because there's like a huge divider between like the fans and the players. True. In every other sport, there's not so much, especially basketball. Like like we, with um, Jokic and Matashiba, there's no divide. Like, <laughs> Fair enough. In basketball, I feel that. In hockey, not so much. Um, do I think there's going to be a split? Uh, no, I do not. I think that... I think the Oilers have re-unlocked that offensive skill set that made them so damn good towards the end of the season there. Um, uh, I agree with Alex that if the Knights want to win this game, they need to score first. Because I think that something crazy, like 90% of the teams that have scored first have won that game in this playoffs. Like, that's a crazy stat, I think. I'm not sure if it's 100%, 90. 90 uh, but typically, the team that scores first wins. 
And so whenever the team that, if Vegas scores here, they might win. But I think the Oilers will score first within the first seven minutes. And I think Leon Dreisaitl will do it because I have money on it. Um, so that's the reason why that's going to happen there. But in all honesty, man, like game two showed why the Oilers were in the position that they were in and how good they potentially can be if they continue moving forward in that direction. Um, Leon Dreisaitl is Hercules. He's not quite a god, but he's the son of a god and he plays like him. Uh, he's also Hulk. Hulk and Hercules put together maybe? I don't know. Uh, but Leon Dreisaitl is damn good. So I really appreciate that. Um, if if the, the Golden Knights want a shot of winning the series, they have to win the next two, one of the next two games. But I don't think that they will. I think the Oilers will just keep rolling forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I fully expect a full response from the, from the Golden Knights. They're well-coached, they're well-structured as well, and they are relentless when they are on their game. And, um, and I, and I think that it, it, as an Oiler fan, very similar to what Alex said about, you know, Knights fans, I'm not dumb enough to say that we are going to steamroll this team because we're not, this team's going to have a huge response. And I am very, uh, and I'm nervous to see, you know, uh, about it because I agree with Alex, whoever scores first has, is, is probably going to win the game. Um, just given the, just given the way it goes, although, um, this playoffs has been notorious for being crazy in terms of, uh, um, in terms of lead changes, um, my, just, just to kind of finally uh, wrap this up and, and wrap up the, you know, hockey, um, Leon Dreisaitl has 13 goals in eight games, guys. Um, he is six away from the record of, you know, of all time. He's actually on, he's, he's actually well ahead of pace. The last time a player has, has had this many goals this early in eight games was 1917, which is even more insane. Like that was when like they didn't even use pads and, and, you know, shit. Um, my question for you guys is does Leon Dreisaitl assuming now you have to make the assumption that they're going to go to the finals. And I, I don't know if you assume that I know Alex does James, I think you do, but I don't know. Uh, how many, how many goals do you think Leon ends with? Does he break the record, Alex? So, uh, we has 13 and eight. So 13 and eight. The, the record is what? 19 and 16. Um, he's going to get 22. And dude, I don't know, dude. He's like, he's a monster. Right <laughs> he now. really is. Like it's, uh, it's incredible. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting another four goal game, but now that I said that, he'll probably do it tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, 23 and like, well, I don't know. I'm losing in the finals because again, I want to see my friends' teams. <laughs> of course. Um, I don't know. And like. 23 and like 17. All right. I don't even know if that math works. I can't even think right now. It's, yeah. I mean, what he's doing is incredible. I, I agree. Uh, James, what about you? Can he break it this series? This series? So he needs to score what? Six goals? In the six next, goals in the, the, in the next like two three games. games. Yeah, it's one and one. So three. Uh, yes, he breaks it this series. <laughs> oh, that would be absolutely fucking insane. Um, and, and we'll, and we'll look at that. Um, gone are the days. I think that we questioned, um, Leon Dreisaitl, um, and, and his production. I, I think that those two together may be the, the best dynamic duo of, of all, at least of all NHL history. It, I mean, it's encroaching on the, on all of sports at this point. Like it's getting dangerously close to, to being one of the best dynamic duels in, in history. I still think I would, they need to win. Exactly. For sure. For sure. I think you still look at Sid and Gino and like, okay, they got, they have three. Yes. 
Magic and Kareem, they got to win at least three. No, they, they got to win for sure. That, that is a hundred percent true. That is a hundred percent true. Uh, but you know, their, their trajectory is, is, is somewhat there. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, I appreciate you guys, you know, sticking with us. The game is about to start in about 16 minutes. Um, and that's the, that's game three of the Oilers nights. Um, tune in by next week. We should have an idea. Some teams will have moved on, especially we know Toronto will be, will have not moved on. Um, but we'll see where the rest of the, uh, the, the series end up. And James, that is all we have for the podcast and hockey. Thank you. Trading. We got to talk about NHL hockey playoffs and how the ducks will just pretty much lost the next 20 years of their, Dude, you got Fantilli. He's solid. You're going to be fine. I haven't heard a thing about that guy. So that's actually the very first time I've heard his name. I'm not a big hockey guy, but Connor <laughs> Bedard was the only name I knew. So moving forward, um, that's the end of episode 147. Thank you for listening. Next week, we should have the full squad on here. Hopefully, if Tyler doesn't continue to put more baseball games on the burner and Eric, or not Eric, but Alex doesn't go to Europe. And then no, trade. I shouldn't be. You know, you never know. He may, he may be kidnapped, you know, and he's like, we guys are Alex in Europe. That could be a fun podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the support. We may have a new sound engineer coming through, so our sound might be different moving forward. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. We hope you have a good week and we will catch you next week. 